Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the comics writer of the Gun Engine Zero series and publisher under the Rainy Road Media imprint, Michael Gonzalez, here to promote the comics first issue on Kickstarter. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for joining us today. But uh, outside my introduction, who is Michael Gonzalez in his own words? Uh, basically, um, just somebody who's always wanted to make comic books, uh, even from a very young age. Um, I tried doing it for a while. It didn't work out. I got out of it. Just did regular, you know, jobs. Uh, worked as a mechanic for the last uh, about 20 years on motorcycles, power sports, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I was living in China at the time, and I got the idea of uh, trying to get back into comics, just making like one kind of last last ditch effort kind of thing. And so that's basically what I've been doing since about 2013 is putting serious effort into actually making comics and getting them out there and just uh, trying to make it happen one more time. So what is Gun Engine Zero about? Uh, basically what it is, it's, uh, it's sort of an homage to like the classic sci-fi, superhero sci-fi from like the 70s and 80s that uh, really touched me when I was a kid. Things like uh, Mazinger, um, Gundam, uh, Battle of the Planets, G4, Scotchman, Man, whatever you want to call it, uh, Robotech, uh, Ultraman, all these kinds of things. I thought they were were really exciting to me as a kid, and I always wanted to tell a story that kind of had the same kind of visual um, aesthetic to it. And so basically what it is, it it pulls a lot of these classic um, sci-fi tropes, and it's about um, a guy, a a warrior, cosmic warrior who comes to Earth, and he's in this battle with this uh, alien race, and now their their war has come to earth into this small town. And the, what the story we see is just the the chaos that erupts in this small town and all of the hidden kind of things that are lying underneath the surface in this small town and all that with the, the kids that could become involved with it and the, the chaos and everything, their little adventure. And the other thing that I want to kind of recreate is sort of the tone of the movies from the 80s, things like uh, Goonies, uh, The Last Starfighter, um, what was the other one, like Flight of the Navigator, these kind of things. So it's, the story takes place in 1985, so it's kind of a more simpler time. And that's basically uh, the gist of it, I guess. So could you just, I guess, elaborate a little bit more on Gun, Gun Engine Zero's the process of it as a whole. So just from a thought in your head to now working it out, at least the first issue, or maybe even outlining the entire series that you wanted to be, to now, you know, finding collaborators and now promoting it on Kickstarter. Yeah. So basically what it started off was, like I said, I was in China, trying to get back into comics or seeing if I could get into comics, not back into comics, but into comics. And, uh, one of the things I read was um, Mark Millar. I don't know, you know, he's the the guy who wrote uh, Kick Ass and a couple of other like independent stuff. Um, he had a website. And one of the things that he had talked about is when he tried to get into Marvel, what he did is he took like these C-list characters that Marvel wasn't using at the time. 
and he tried to come up with pitches for those characters because he thought that okay if i if I come up with something interesting with this character they're not even using right now, then maybe it's more likely that they'll publish it or at least they'll read it and then say, oh, this is really good. You know, let's, let's uh, hire you for something else. Um, so I thought that that was maybe this is a good idea, something I could try. And so that's what, what I did is I thought back to what kind of characters that I like growing up that Marvel's not using right now. And one of the characters that I, thought of was Rom. He's uh, called Rom Space Knight. I don't know if you are familiar with him or you've ever heard of him, but he was all like a silver, all silver kind of like a robot or like cyborg kind of thing. And I just, when I was a kid, I thought he just looked really cool. Um, so I, th I thought, well, if I can come up with some kind of idea for him and just write it, write it out. And um, this is before I found out that IDW had already rebooted the character. So it kind of didn't matter. But so I came up with some ideas for if I just, if I made a, my own reboot of this character, what would I do with it? And so I wrote up, I come up with a bunch of ideas. I wrote it all out. And, but then I found out that IDW had redone this character. And also I got to the, sort of this realization was like, I'm not going to stop bothering trying to get work for Marvel or DC or anybody. I'm just going to do stuff myself. Um, it's kind of like a waste of my time to even try to do that. So, but I figured, I, you know, I come up with all this ideas for this character. Is there some way that I can use it and kind of steer it towards make it my own character, you know, make, just change some things and, you know, work some things around so that it's its own unique character. And so that's what I did. And I wrote a whole bunch of stuff and this, this process took a long time. This is like five, six years going through everything and so many different iterations and story ideas and changing the story around and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I finally come up with um, at a, a what I thought was a solid idea for a story, like a mini series. Um, and then I approached different artists that I found online about designing the character. And well, the first guy was someone I had already worked with on one of my previous books. And he tried to do some stuff, but he couldn't really get into it for whatever reason. Um, then I just, then I started looking for other people and we, with each person, I kind of developed the character more, developed the look of the character more. And until I finally found one artist, his name is Ian Wariento, and he's gonna be doing the, this series. And he suggested a colorist to me, Anton Bandy. And they're both the, the art team that works currently on the Mighty Mascots, which is published by Alterna Comics. And so once I got him and he's all, you know, ready to go with the book. I mean, both of them ready to go with the book. And I've got pretty much the entire series already written out. Um, then I just uh, figured let's put it up on uh, Kickstarter and hopefully um, people will support it. So then uh, it's not just this one book, but this book will basically be the foundation for the books that come after this. So the, for the books, the rest of the books in this series and the other books that I want to continue to do. So how 
difficult do you think it was for the world building for Gun Engine Zero, or if it even was difficult for you to create your own world and integrate those same influences that you mentioned before, but maintain that this is this is mine. This is not. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I pulled influences from this character that's already been made or from these pop culture references from when I was growing up, but this is, this is mine. So how yeah. was it difficult for you? Even if, maybe even if it wasn't difficult. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't terribly difficult because with this, with this specific project and this character, what I did is, so that was one aspect of this story is, you know, taking these influences from, the sci-fi superheroes like especially the japanese stuff that was one element of the story the other element of the story was that it takes place in this small town that's a, a a beach town and when i was a kid we used to go to tybee island in it's close to savannah georgia during the summers and there was a lot of like crazy stupid silly things that happened there while I was growing up, it was mostly like in my preteen and teen years. And um, so there's things from my experiences that I wanted to tell in a story. So I had that little bit. And the um, and so there was a bunch of like other little things that that I thought once I kind of got this idea, then I said, oh, well, if I take these, it's like, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle, you know, you got all these different puzzle pieces, and you just got to figure out how to fit them all together. And so and, and I already had the pieces, basically, I just needed to put them together. So putting them together, wasn't that difficult. Um, but I did go through this story has gone through tons of different um, iterations you know like originally it was something completely different the storyline was completely different but the general idea of the story has always been the same and it's just as i'm writing it and developing it i'm starting to realize kind of like what the story is really about um and then then you start to like tweak it and fine tune it down to you know to get to that that point is like okay this is you know something that that is unique and it's is its own thing yeah i always find it interesting when writers explain their process to me or how they came up with an idea or like the final product because my stuff is kind of like that too where i'll write something i'll write down an idea and i'll expand on it but then i kind of like hit a block and i'm like what am, what am i supposed to do with it now so then i move on to something else and i kind of prefer this so I'll take some stuff from the previous thing I wrote and put it in there and then um, expand on it more and more and more. And then that ends up becoming a complete work. And I I mean, I keep the other stuff, but I kind of just put it to the side. Or I guess I'll come back to it at some point. Yeah. And then like you said, tweak and tweak it here, tweak it here, make the adjustments here, make the adjustments there. So it's kind of how you and I are the same, or I guess in, in for this project, you know, it, your process was similar to mine when I write my stuff as well. So are you like a, well, the way, the way you explain it is like a jigsaw. So I was going to ask you like a linear writer or do you kind of just write stuff as it comes and then figure out what to do with it later? Well, usually what I do is um, like once I start having ideas for a specific project, I'll just take notes on it. You know, it can be all kinds of different things. It can just be like, 
a specific piece of dialogue. It can be a specific scene, um, uh, a feeling, a mood, or whatever it can be. Just these tiny little pieces, you know? And you start writing them down in like a notebook or on the computer, whatever, and just start compiling all of these things. And then once it gets to the point where I think that I have at least kind of like a backbone for a decent story, then I'll sit down and actually start writing it. And the first thing I do is I like to use kind of like a spreadsheet format where, especially for comic books, because comic books are like a very unique sort of medium where, as far as I'm concerned, they have like very distinct beats, or like rhythms, you know, because you obviously have like each panel is kind of like a beat. And then each page is also like a beat. And so what I do is like, I'll take like, uh, so I'll make a like a spreadsheet and I'll say, you know, put right here, it says page one and then page two, you know, on the first column, like all the different pages, all the way down from page one to page 28, 24, whatever, however long I think it's going to be. And then in each of those, I'll have panel one, two, three, four, you know, and I'll just start with like, you know, whatever, four panels per page. And then from there, I can go like, so I need, I need to know where a, page starts and how it ends so i like to have um scenes take up at least one full page like i don't want to have two scenes and one page you know splitting up a, a scene in two pages to me that kind of breaks up things unless there's a way to make them sort of transition um easy or or like flow into each other in an organic way um, but normally I want to have, you know, like one scene is one page, at least one page. And then, so then, so when I do the, the outline or what I call it, it's like a blueprint with this, um, uh, not, not I'm blanking on the word again, the, the way that I do it, you know, uh, with the spreadsheet, sorry. Uh, so that way it's kind of, it's, it's almost kind of like, um, robotic it's sort of like very easy it makes it easy for me to just go okay this happens this happens this happens next page this happens this happens this happens so i know where i'm starting and i know where i need to get to and then all i got to do is fill it in from the point a to point b and i mm -hmm. fill in that thing so so i do it like that that's the way i start off with and then once i got like a nice uh when the spreadsheet is it looks like it's all clean and everything's good then i'll jump over and actually start typing it out and the actual script for the uh for the comic okay so what advice do you think you could offer to other creators comics writers what have you you wish someone would have told you when you first started oh there's a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> we could be here all day um one of the, I can say one of the mistakes that I made when I first started was being too detailed um, because uh, when you're working with the artist, they need to have like a certain amount of their creative input into it. And so just an example, the first book I made was called 6-8 is the horror comic book, supernatural horror comic. And when I did that one, that was from originally it was a feature length screenplay i was going to write then i wrote it as a um, short screenplay um, then i trans translated it into a comic book 
Um, so when I write it as a comic book, since it started off as a film and I have like some experience in the film and video world where I did videography and I would do like, um, you know, the, the sketches and the drawings, you know, for the, to lay out the, the action that would, you know, we would film it, uh, the storyboards. And um, so when I wrote that, I had very specific, clear ideas about what every single panel should look like. And so I wrote it that way. And this became sort of like a, a contentious thing between me and the artist where he was like, well, you, you know, you need to let me be more like, have some more input to things. And um, so and now I realized that he was right about that. So basically now what I do is I just, I kind of just describe what happens in the panel, in each specific panel. I don't necessarily describe how the artist should draw it. So that way that kind of gives them the freedom to say, you know, like they can choose the angle that they, whatever, the size of the panel and all that kind of stuff. So now I'm leaving the art more up to the artist. Um, so that was basically, I think that's like the main thing. There's other things about, you know, like learning the, the pacing of a comic book all that kind of stuff. I was talking about the page turns and the beats and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And learning that there's, um, there's only so much physical real estate in a comic book. So uh, like with the first book I was doing, I was doing way too much dialogue. There's no way it was going to fit in a panel. You know, I wasn't thinking about that when I was writing it. So now I'm, you know, more in tune with that kind of stuff, thinking about like that. Um, I would say those are kind of like the main things. I mean, there's all kinds of other things about, uh, you know, like working with artists, all this kind of stuff. And you got to think about like paying people and all that kind of, all this other business sort of aspect to it. But as far as the creative stuff, that's probably like the main thing. Mm -hmm. So throughout this whole process, like, did you ever or do you ever get overwhelmed? Because it's not just with the comic itself, the comic series itself and all the other projects you're doing. You know, you also have your family life and your friends and, you know, job stuff and just, you know, and then trying to take care of you as well. So, like, does it ever become too much? Like, or did it ever become too much? How do you typically manage your mental well-being? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh yeah it can be um it definitely like you were talking about before like when you come to sort of like a writer's block sort of thing where you don't know what to do with a story um that at times it can be kind of you know like real frustrating real stressful uh and right now you know i've been unemployed for like a year and a half um so i'm the stay-at-home dad and my my wife is working and basically providing for the family but you know I do everything else like paying the bills and all everything else um so it it there is very little time for me to dedicate to this but I've so I've basically had to cut out everything else it's like you know I used to whatever go out you know, I used to have a motorcycle, used to go riding all the time. Uh, 
uh, you know, all the all the other things that you could do in your life is like now I cut out everything. So the, this is like the only thing that I do that's not, you know, family related or like household related or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm dedicating myself fully to doing this, um, to making this happen. And the whatever money I spend is just on this. I don't have other, I don't smoke, drink or do anything else. Um, you know, uh, so <laughs> this is all that I do. And um, so what little time that I have, I spend it doing this. It's like either writing, actual writing scripts for comics, um, you know, just developing the ideas for the comics or working on the Kickstarter campaigns and stuff like that, which is a whole nother stressful thing, uh, you know, because you got to be like a salesman and stuff. So I'm not like a natural kind of a salesman. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just, the as far as the attitude, like, you know, it's just like it's, if you want it, you just got to do it. And so it may be like stressful and, and there may be times when it's kind of tough and everything, but you just got to, you know, power through it. And if, uh, like you were saying, if you come, what I do is like, when I come to like, if there's a point where I kind of have a block and I don't know what to do with the story or it's just whatever reason it's become frustrating and it's not fun working on that specific project at the moment i just put it aside and then i'll go to another project and you know leave that for weeks or even months and then come back to it when i feel like i've you know kind of re-inspired or like maybe oh i got some more ideas now now let's get back to it and so that's why one of the reasons why i like to have multiple sort of projects going on is that that'll give me the freedom to be able to jump to different things when I feel that I, like, I'm kind of like in the in the mood for it or in the groove, you know, for a sp specific project. Um, so I think that's a big help. So I don't really experience the sort of frustration and stress and writer's block that much because I can just jump to another thing and say, okay, I'm going to start working on this thing. And then when this thing starts kicking my butt while I jump to another thing and you know so all right well my last question for you Michael is what is your idea of success so I ask that because as creators if we're like not getting regular paychecks or making consistent revenue from our art we're considered failures we'll consider ourselves failures what have you many of us will put our dreams on the back burner or give them up altogether because this career path can be highly intimidating and competitive. So what is yeah. your idea of quote unquote success? Well, success for me right now would just be if, if this was a self-sustaining endeavor, mm -hmm. you know, if I could actually make enough money from it to keep doing it, that, you know, if I, if I spent the money, take the money out of my own pocket and make a book, whatever it is, you know, a couple thousand dollars, four thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, whatever. If I can at least make that money back by selling the book, then to me that would be successful. That means at least I'm not losing money. You know, lose it because that would to me that would just be so, like I'm just sitting here wasting my time. If I'm mm -hmm. making something, because to me, this is not like a 
solo endeavor. This is this is a shared experience, you know. I'm writing something, I'm creating a story, I'm telling a story. But if it just sits on the shelf back there, what's the point? I mean, it has it's meaningless. It mm -hmm. has to be it has to get to somebody and somebody else has to read then read it and have that experience and then again, we have this shared experience. I write it, somebody else reads it and then there you go. Um, so again, just like making something isn't really what I would call consider a success, even though it is a great feeling, you know, you, you take something that's just from your imagination and then you have a actual physical thing. Eventually that does feel great to have that, but there's still the next step is, you know, it's got to get to somebody else and they have to read it whether they like it or not. I don't care. But the point is, you know, they got to, that's, that's really what the point is. Um, and I will say that, you know, I gave up doing this a long time ago. You know, I started when I was like 11 years old and I had just a typewriter and uh, I would just bang away stuff on a typewriter. I have reams and reams of stacks and stacks of uh, paper. I would just write like the worst crap you've ever read, but, <laughs> but I really like doing it. And, uh, but I tried for a long time. I tried to get into comics. I tried Marvel. Then later I tried Dark Horse with a bunch of stuff. Um, I tried like some other like little independent stuff and nothing ever happened. And then I went into try to get into film and video. I did that, you know, wrote a bunch of screenplays and tried to get into that world. Uh, a little bit of success, but not very much really. Uh, and so then I just gave up. I was like, okay, this is obviously it's not going to work for me. This is not my life. This is not my fate. So just stop struggling, stop fighting it, you know, just go and do something else. So that's when I got into like the motor motorcycle mechanics and stuff like that. And eventually went to China and everything, but I can never totally get rid of it. Mm -hmm. It's like this little voice always inside your head. It's like, you need to try this. You need to keep doing this. And, um, there's other reasons, real world reasons too. Like I wanted to hopefully see if I could make something that could last, that could maybe provide for my children. Cause you know, working like nine to five, you know, killing my body and everything just to, you know, have a paycheck and, and only be able to take home like whatever, 60% of it or something, you know, it's like, I don't really have anything to show for it. I'm do, make, doing all this work and doing all this. What do I really have to show for it? And what am I leaving my children? Um, you know, the way the world is now, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of, you know, for like us, maybe with our parents' generation, you know, I know like my parents and all them, you know, they have like pensions and stuff like that where they can retire. But like, I think for, maybe for my generation, your generation of people younger than us, there's nothing. And so you're going to work your whole life and then you're, you're going to have nothing. You won't even be able to retire or anything, nothing you can leave your kids or like, I don't have a house or I'm, you know, like renting this mobile home and stuff. So there was a real world sort of concern for me. It's like, I need to do something there there was like this, um, 
sort of, I was sort of like in a crisis kind of thing where it's like, I need to do something right now. And this is something I thought that I could do that I thought that I could do well, and that maybe could turn out to be good, that it could turn out to be something that could provide for my family over time, even after I'm gone. So, so that's why that's one of the reasons why I got back into it. And uh, of course, there's still that the creative impulses that are always there. And then even when I was just working, doing whatever, you know, little ideas for things would pop into my head about, you know, story ideas and character ideas and stuff. And I'm like, ah, just get out of there. I don't need that. Uh, but I would still do it. And then, you know, so, and then the time came with, and when I was living in China, I had spare time. So I just kind of, let's, okay, let's do this, go back into it. So for people that, maybe some a word of advice is just that don't give up. And, and I know that's like an obvious piece of advice that everybody gives, don't give up. But I would say that it could take a long time, but if it's something that you really wanna do, don't worry about how long it takes, just do it. I mean, you might not, I mean, there's people now that are famous for their writing and their art, whatever, who got nothing, no recognition in their lifetime. It only came until after they were gone. And so I'd say, just don't worry about that. Um, just do, be reasonable. I mean, don't mortgage your life away to make like one book or something. But um, if it's something you really wanna do, then just do it. And it may take a long time, but you just keep at it, you know? And mm -hmm. maybe, uh, it'll work out for you, or maybe you need to find a different route to do things. Like I was saying, like I started comic books, that didn't work. So I tried film, um, that didn't really work. Um, but there's other things, like if the comic book thing doesn't work, I could maybe write, you know, uh, pivot towards like uh, prose novels, just writing mm -hmm. the stuff that I have in prose novels, because I won't have to pay an artist ahead of time to do stuff. You know, I just, it's just me writing. Um, so there's, there's always like options to do things. So you may have to, you know, like take a step back and kind of reevaluate your situation uh, and maybe try different, you know, routes to go. Um, but again, like if it's something you really want to do, then you just got to do it. Like Nike says, just do it. <laughs> Uh, well, is there anything else that you want to touch on about Gun Engine Zero as a whole that I may have missed? Uh, maybe discuss rewards for potential backers? Well, basically, uh, what I do is I kind of like keep things simple because I'm mm -hmm. kind of a simpleton. Uh, so to make things easy for me and for the um, backers, I just have like four tiers. So there's a PDF of the book. Everyone get a PDF of the book. Uh, there's... Uh, the rewards is just the book itself. And then there's a reward for comic book stores. If the if stores want to order several copies, it'll come with a promotional poster. And since it's a series, I was hoping that maybe some stores would support it because it's going to take maybe like two or three years, I guess, to do the whole series if it's successful. So I'm trying to do things to help like a comic book shop to promote it over the long run. 
So that's why I have like that special promo poster that they could do and the books available at like a, a 40% discount. Uh, and then the last one I have is uh, what I call a super fan. So it's basically everything that I have to offer in one collection or one set. So you just one click, you get everything. Because there's a bunch of add-ons that you can get. Like if you buy the book and then you want to add on like stickers or trading cards or mini prints that I have, all those different things are available. Um, so you could like a la carte everything, you know, like I want a book and I just want this and that, whatever. You can do that. But if you want to just, oh, I just want everything. I don't want to go through all. I'll just give me everything. Because there are some people like that. I've seen mm -hmm. my experience uh, last year with some other campaigns. They're just like, yeah, just give me whatever. I mean, just give me everything. So I just, I made like that super fan um, set. So it has everything. Um, and then I did put some like stretch goals in there that'll be for some additional mini prints to upgrade the cover paper of the book and different things like that. So, um, and the main thing I just want to say is that, so this Gun Engine Zero series, this first issue is like the biggest step for me as a uh, publisher, independent publisher. The other books I did before I paid for myself, um, but I don't have the money anymore to do that. And so I really need people's support to help make at least this first book. Um, if it's very successful, I could you know, take that extra money and make the subsequent books ahead of time, you know, first from my own money. Um, but this first book, it is, it's obviously setting up the, the rest of the series, but not only that, it sets up, um, all the other books that I want to do. So, um, if this fails, then I probably won't be able to do anything else. Um, uh, it probably stops right here. Um, so it's real important. It's real vital, um, for this campaign to be successful. And, um, so I hope just people will take a look at the campaign and check it out and consider backing it. All right. Well, again, I want to thank the comics writer of the Gun Engine Zero series and publisher under the Rainy Road Media Imprint, Michael Gonzalez, for joining us here today to promote the comics first issue on Kickstarter. I highly recommend our listeners to consider giving the Kickstarter a look, share, and or back if they can. All of Michael's socials and Kickstarter will be listed in this episode's details for all of those who are interested. Again, I am KS Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerd Podcast. Thank you. Thanks.